Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what's up, everybody? Uh, it is, not to date this podcast, but it is wintertime, and it's kind of a lull in the year as far as oftentimes physical activity, and it's also a time that people start really thinking about physical activity. So you got kind of both things going on there, some New Year's resolutions uh, in action, a lot of folks hitting the gym, thinking about fitness. You know, beach season is just around the corner. Eric, I know you're excited about that. Super, like 11. And so in the spirit of that and in the spirit of hunting and getting ready for fall and making all of ourselves better hunters, we've brought to Vortex HQ in one of our range, the 100-yard range. We've got Brian Austin from... Now, Brian, I know you have a local gym here in the Madison area. You bet. And you specialize in fitness and getting people fit. But you're also very heavily associated with an organization called Train to Hunt. And That's right. So if you can, give us a little bit of a, a high-level intro to yourself. Sure. Beyond what I just gave. And uh, Train to Hunt. All right. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I have my own studio here in Fitchburg or in the Madison area, uh, Get Fit with Brian. I've been doing this now for, uh, jeepers, like 18 years I've been training wow. people. Yeah. Whoa, where have uh, you been all my life? Right? <laughs> uh, kind of all over the place here in uh, the Madison area, but it's only been the last few years that I've combined the, the hunter-athlete aspect of it. Most of my clients in the past have been just, you know, the Joe Schmo and the Sally Sue that's looking to get fit and, and get off the couch and get moving. And I still work with a lot of those people. Uh, what Train to Hunt has done has brought that, what I mentioned, the hunter-athlete, is really connecting the fitness side of of hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us in the Midwest, um, we wonder, well, why do you need to be fit to you know drive the four-wheeler to the, uh, to the tree and climb up the tree? But this is kind of geared towards the people that are traveling out west and are going to be doing a backcountry hunt or, or, you know, a multi-day hunt where it's going to be more physically demanding. So I've kind of expanded my business and said it's, just, it's to get fit with Brian uh, is my personal training and boot camps. And now I have GFB Outdoors, and that's my hunter fitness. And train to hunt is kind of encompassed with that as well, too. Okay. So nice. I, I have... Uh, if you hear it, by the way, if you hear a semi-automatic rifle in the background, just <laughs> right? absolutely blasting away. That's the 50-yard range next door. We've been talking about training for some of the more of these Western hunts, but we also want to put you in the mentality and the stress level of being in Wisconsin on opening day of gun season. <laughs> so um, it basically sounds exactly like that right now. Exactly. Perfect. Anyway. Maybe slightly less shooting. <laughs> <laughs> this year for sure. There wasn't a lot of shooting at all. But anyways, my GFB Outdoors, I do hunter fitness stuff. So at a local archery club here in Verona, the Blackhawk Hunters, they have graciously allowed me to do some classes in there where we can utilize their shooting range for archery. So we can do the drills, do the challenges, the exercise, and then also combine that with the shooting under you know, with an elevated heart rate, you know, the sweat's pouring off you, much like it is doing a Western hunt in early season when it's sweaty, you might have a heart rate going because you're climbing a mountain, and then taking that, acquiring that target and shooting it, you know, while you have stress going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then train to hunt, 
that's a kind of a new thing for me. I've been a, a competitor of Train the Hunt for the last couple of years, and uh, Kenton Claremont is the founder of Train the Hunt, uh, and it's been a thing now for eight, ten years. It has grown now to a, a national competition where we have qualifiers all over the U.S. Uh, this year, uh, we'll have qualifiers uh, Texas, California, Idaho, Oregon, uh, New York, and here in Wisconsin. I'm probably missing uh, one or two there. And that competition is just that, train to hunt. It, it's, it's putting people under stress, physical stress, where we're doing a challenge uh, with sandbags. You, you'll have a pack on. You'll be running, shooting. And the, the neat thing, too, is it brings a lot of like-minded people together. It really is a – we usually address our competitors as the train to hunt family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's people that, like I said, are like-minded. Uh, we're there to encourage one another, to cheer each other on. Even though it's a competition, uh, we're all there to, to cheer one another on. And we all realize that the main goal is hunting season in the fall, to be as fit as we can to enjoy our hunts, whatever it might be, if it's elk or antelope, whatever it is, is to enjoy that to the, the fullest capability. So, It is interesting. You know, I, I think that I've heard a couple of people bring it up in the past and in recent times that the hunter is now being looked at as, you know, more of this athlete. And especially when you talk about some of these more Western hunts, like trained hunt is really kind of geared towards where you know, you've mentioned a couple times you're climbing a mountain or you're you're in the backcountry somewhere and you're really hiking around with you got weight in your pack and oftentimes high elevation elevated heart rate and it does take a significant amount of athletic ability to get far back there stick go, go well, farther stay longer in fact i think some that's somebody's tagline first light yeah but it does take it does take athletic ability and then other people have mentioned as well that just in order to enjoy yourself more in the mm. back country. And we've talked a lot about like, and you're not just suffering the, yeah. entire, the entire time. You almost, you almost preload the suffering by working out ahead of time. You know, at some point or another, you have to suffer. There's no easy, uh, get out of suffering free card, if you will, where, Hey, if I eat this, I don't have to work out and I'm going to do great back there. But if you work out hard, ahead of time that yeah. you can enjoy. You're always trying to make your pack lighter. Why not make your body lighter and make yourself more fit? Right? Yeah. You hit a good point there, Eric, is that, you know, I know you guys have had people on the podcast talking about lightweight equipment, and I think that's very important. Uh, but for, I would say, the average guy that's going out west, they probably have five or ten or maybe even more pounds to lose. So it's a lot cheaper to lose that weight off of yourself than to spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to buy that lightweight equipment. Now, of sure. course, we want to have the lightest uh, gear potential that, that we can afford, but that's one of the easiest things to do is to take care of our bodies and to have our strength to weight ratio at, at an optimal level so that we can carry maybe some of the things that would be more of a luxury item into the backcountry so that we can stay back there longer. We recover better. We get a better night's sleep instead of just you know sleeping on a on a you know quarter inch mat, maybe you pack in a, a mat that's a little thicker that you can get a better night's sleep. But with that, it might be a little bit more weight, so you get stronger, you lose weight. It makes the pack in uh, more feasible. You really can't have one, or you don't want to have one without the other. I mean, you can have all the highest speed, lightest weight gear in the world, but you need to you know have your body mm-hmm. in shape. And I've been I've been guilty of going out with one and not the other. I'm not gonna tell you which one it was, but um some embarrassed well, Brian. But and <laughs> even Dave prior to going on his hunt where I mean the dude is literally counting grams and he's 
removing food from the actual uh, store-bought packaging and vacuum sealing it in as little <laughs> vacuum right. sealing material as possible. Even, even a guy like that, Dave, prior to that hunt, was going on hikes where he was packing his, his pack with 100 pounds, Holy which was cow. 40 more pounds, I think, or roughly wow. about 30 to 40 more pounds than he ended up going out with. And he was going on hikes for what? At one he was, point, he, he was dropped doing the, four miles in an hour with a, and this is over pounds. terrain. It's not just treadmill. I mean, he was yeah. he was going over terrain. Yeah, he was at a park, you know, like a local. Yeah. You know, well, uh, you're park. you're yeah. hitting on something that's that's a really good point, and that to train your bodies for that type of a, of weight. You know, it's it's January right now, and hunting season is seven, eight, nine months away. Now is a time to start that training and to start light because. It's one thing you might be strong enough to carry that hundred pounds, but is it going to wreck your body for a oh, week yeah. or two weeks? So you want to build up to that because our yeah. our muscles, our connective tissue, our ligaments, our tendons—that all takes a beating when we start putting weight on our bodies. Our Absolutely. ankles, you know, our neuromuscular system has to adapt to that. I think it's very important to to do that. Maybe not that much weight at first, or even that often. But yeah, you probably don't start with a hundred pounds four miles right, in an hour. Right. I, I don't know if I would. A, I would maybe start <laughs> at ten percent of your body weight or something like that, and just and again that might feel easy and great. If so, then then bump it up the next time. We usually train with approximately fifty pounds, mm-hmm. and then when it gets closer to season, uh, then we start ramping that up. And we don't, again, we don't do it that often, but we need to do it a few times so that your body knows what it's going to be, what it's going to be carrying. Right. Because it's, well, I guess the other tip then, too, is, is to get off trail mm-hmm. and to do some freestyle hiking. Because when you're hiking, we're not usually hiking or hunting, I should say, hunting on trails. Right. You're off, right. you're going right. over blowdowns, you're going over rocks. And marshes all, and all kinds of scraggly yeah, crap. That's stress on our knees. It's stress on our backs, our ankles. So it's good to be prepared so you know what that feels like, especially if you're packing out uh, an elk, uh, you know, with 100 pounds or yeah. so, you know, having walking sticks, having mm-hmm. all the tools to make sure that you're going to be uh, safe and can get back there the next day. I think that that pack training and understanding, getting your body used to carrying weight is so paramount. I can't even... I feel like I just need to restress that because a lot of folks out there, I was absolutely in this camp because I work out every day. You know, I ran track my whole life. I've done a lot of sports. I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. I'm a, I'm young. And we went on that hunt in Nebraska and, you know, it was a lot of up and down. And then we ended up packing out a deer about, I think we, we figured that the pack out was about a mile, a mile and a half or yeah, so. Yeah, somewhere in there. And just... I've never trained to carry weight. Like, as far as the, the in-shapeness to get that weight back there probably was adequate, but just my body wasn't used to carrying weight. Right. And I remember we got back to the motel, and I felt like okay-ish, definitely exhausted. Woke up the next morning, wrecked. Right. Just you shoulders feel like you destroyed. got hit by a semi, right? Back. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, there is no better way to describe it that you actually feel like you got hit by yeah. a semi. Yeah, it's... Everything is just wrecked. And then I had to put the pack back on when we go back out the next day. And it was just like right. every motion was torture. So yeah. you hit a good point there is that your pack. So it, I think the two most important pieces of equipment other than your body are your boots and your pack. Because the first year I did a backcountry hunt, I had a, a subpar pack. 
And Dude. I tell you what, my traps were dead because the, the load lifters weren't able to get it up off of my traps. It was all just sinking down. And yeah. I mean, my shoulders were burned. I, if, if I had to pull my bow back the next day, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> so it pays to have a good pack and the boots. Uh, those are two things that can ruin mm. your, your trip pretty quick. And know how to use that pack. I remember we were going out. I actually had a pretty good quality pack, but all of a sudden we were halfway out, and Mark turns around and he goes, oh, hey, you can use those load lifters. That'll help a lot. And right. he just goes, Zzz! and I was like, oh, my gosh. It World was like, difference. dude, it was like, it, I can only imagine what it's like if you're blind and then all of a sudden you could see. It was a, <laughs> <laughs> That's the closest feeling I'll ever get in you my got, life. You got, you got to firsthand experience, though. Like, it's almost good that you got to have that rough on the free like just to feel like yeah. what that what that does and what a good pack and a pack that's capable of doing it that was that was that that exo that yeah. we had yeah it was it was, it was a good exo pack. makes good packs i know mm. uh the pack that i had was not an exo that first year and it felt like i mean i had a gorilla on my back mm-hmm. and you just wanted to get it off like yeah. every I mean, 100 if, yards if it's just hanging down on your shoulders i mean if you i mean you need a good hip belt you need good load lifters you need i mean it's just like you said, you, you can't stress it enough. It's, it's one thing that will really make or break your hunt. Yeah. You know, and, and Jim, what you were talking about, about how you train every day, you know, and we're talking about train to hunt, right? And so you train a lot, but some of the things that you're doing every day weren't necessarily preparing you for I, the, I mean, they were yeah. definitely doing good, right? I train, I train to run in track spikes and racing flats yeah. in like spandex shorts and a, almost nothing for a shirt. Like I train to run fast in very very minimalist gear yep on a nice flat track and we're (laughs) talking and we're talking about a guy you know i mean that jim like again you know i'm gonna even talk about it anyway brian that's what i wanted to talk a little bit more in depth with you was like so what types of things other than pack training yeah can a person do to really train to hunt and and focus on that's my activity, you know. I'm not, I'm not training necessarily to look good at the beach. I'm not right. training, you know, to, to bench be the fast barn. or, or we're, run, we're, run we're the 400. We're not doing curls for girls, are we? No, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, no, that's a good point. I mean, pack training is one of the best things because that's obviously what you're going to be doing in in the backcountry. You're going to be walking, hiking with your pack. I tell my guys and and some of the people I'm training, you don't have to run because there's no running. Well, sometimes sometimes there's, sometimes there's running and, and hunting, you know. But running doesn't have to be your primary. If you have bad knees or, or whatever it might be, you don't like to run, you don't need to run, okay? You I'd get rather out. be a diesel than a, mm. a exactly. bad country. Exactly. So pack training, uh, doing uh, some strength training is, is very important because really it's, it's about strength. You know, it, it is about stamina, but you need the strength to sustain yourself out there. So if you're not doing resistance training, you're doing yourself a disservice, especially when you're climbing the mountains. I mean, climbing mountains, that's all strength, okay? So I, w- I focus more on strength than I do on the cardio aspect of things. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So uh, when you're talking about resistance training, what types of exercises are you talking about? Yeah, then? I mean, you could be, we could talk about the generic, uh, you know, going into the club and doing your squats and, and bench press, even though I don't think those are practical. You mm-hmm. know, you need... You need it's fairly uh, isolated. Yeah, exercises that are going to be functional, that are going to be able to translate into hiking and hunting. So we're talking about maybe lunges, weighted lunges, uh, step overs. You know, I'm sitting on the box here that we'll be using here pretty soon because obviously when you're in the mountains, you're going to be climbing a lot. So here uh, in our 
part of the Wisconsin. We do have some hills, so we do have uh, the opportunity to, to do some hill repeats and climbing. But if you don't, that's where, you, you know, you get a 20-inch box or 15-inch box, and you just do step-ups, up and down, yeah. up and down, up and down. And step-overs where you're stepping up on the box and down on the box because when you're out in the mountains, you're going up and down. Yep. Yeah. Uh, even though the down portion of it is actually harder on the joints, harder mm. on the knees. Yeah, But 100%. it's still good. You, I mean, you need the train for that. Even just walking quietly is, is actually takes a, a fair bit of strength because right. you don't realize it when you're just walking regularly. Um, without cons- c- without being concerned about the noise you're making, mm-hmm. you can just very comfortably put your leg down. It doesn't take a lot of that core strength. It doesn't take a lot of those those smaller, finer, articulate muscles that you have in your body. You're probably uh, just, you're kind of letting gravity take yeah, over more. Right. Than- as soon as you start kind of that creep, you're using so much more core strength to not only pick up a foot, but you're also using it to set it down carefully. And that's that's just exhausting after a while. Exactly. I mean, that's walking slow, even walking down a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past year, my buddy Ed that I was hunting with, we got an elk on the ground. We were fortunate to get one on the ground. And we were four miles from the truck. And it was a mile straight down that we had to go through blowdown. I mean, and it was it was dark. So you can't see very far as far as your flashlight can see. So you get going one direction and you get cliffed out or so many blowdowns you have to go around. And, man, that was the one day I forgot my walking sticks. And Ed is 6'4". He's a lot taller than me. So he's just stepping over some of these logs. And here I am, <laughs> you know, having to sit my butt down and pull my feet over. I mean, that was the hardest downhill mile I've ever done. It didn't help that we had 100-plus pounds on our yeah. back of meat. But that's the portion of training. Even you can simulate that in a gym. Take your pack in a gym, fill it full with a heavy sandbag, and do movements. Get up off the ground because... When you have a heavy pack, there's going to be times where you're going to be sitting on a log, taking a break, or you're going to have to take it off. You know, even the process of putting on a heavy pack, that takes a lot of muscle, a lot of core strength. So I like to do a lot of stuff where, you're, where it forces you off balance or you're in, you're in a safe environment, but you're in an environment where it's going to throw you off balance because mm-hmm. that's just like it is in the mountains. You might be stepping on a rock and it mm-hmm. might move. You have 50 pounds on your back. How's your body going to react to that? So ways exercises to simulate those things in a somewhat of a controlled environment so you don't injure yourself is key. And what's cool about that is a lot of that stuff, 90% of it, you can do with gear that you already have. You got your pack, right. you got a sandbag, you right. got your bow. I mean, mm-hmm. just the stuff you got here is stuff that 90% of the people listening to this already own. Right. Yeah. I think no, it's like you bring up another good thing, which I don't do this enough either, but carrying, if you can, carry your bow or your rifle or a similar object because even that is something you're not normally doing. You know, you don't oh, yeah. necessarily work out at the gym. You generally have your hands free, right? Right. right. We when used you're to in do... the woods, you've always got one hand occupied yeah. with something. We yeah. used to do workouts in track where you would literally take off your shoes and you would use your shoes for weights and you would have your arms extended. Okay. And it was like you were crying by the end of oh. it. And it, you were just using your shoes. Interesting. Were you a long distance runner? No, kind of mid. Mid? 400 was like where I landed. Yeah. Mostly because a lot of people were faster in a dead sprint than I was, and then a lot of people could last longer running than I could. And if you just got, you you're know, in, you're in that tweener. Yeah, tweener. yeah. Right. If you just know how to try really hard, then you can run right. 400. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the hardest races, I think. Yep. But no, I, I think uh, having a, a good sandbag, maybe having a, a couple different weights of sandbags, 
we're utilizing some of the brute force sandbags with handles. I mean, the, the training with those sandbags are endless because you actually have grips that you can uh, do different things with. Whereas uh, our sea line sandbags, which we use for the outdoor train to hunt competitions, is just a sandbag. Mm-hmm. And what's so cool about those is that, well, you either like it or you hate it, but there's no handles. So you actually have to use your grippers to do that. Hmm. And yeah. what that's kind of uh, simulating is when you get an animal on the ground, you have 80 pounds in a meat bag you don't have nice handles. I mean, you're gripping that. It's kind of falling all over the place. So it's using those muscles as well for those situations. Yeah. I'd be curious now, one of the things that we have here, and you'll notice in the title, it does say semi-live. So we're going to have Brian here come out and actually do. And and for those watching on video as well on YouTube, we're going to do a few of these exercises as some examples. But one thing I think that I've found with any kind of exercising, I guess, you know, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I've been exercising for quite a while. A lot of people have. And I think that anybody who's exercised for quite some time, you know that at some point you had to start that program or start exercising to kind of figure out what what works for you, what works for the ultimate application you're trying to exercise for. And the starting portion can be really difficult. And you see all the time, like, for example, again, at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of the New Year's resolution season. There's a million jokes and memes out there about this season and, you know, people who show up for two weeks. And I think a lot of times what happens is people show up and the reason they only last two weeks and then burn out is because they don't know what to do. And they look at what a lot of other people are doing. And a lot of other people have been working out for quite some time. And so they just start and they go way too big. I've seen that all the time. And when you haven't been working out or and you haven't been exercising or you haven't been using a particular application. So again, let's say pack training. You know, I might say, I want to get in shape and I want to get in shape now. I'm going to throw 100 pounds in my pack. I might be able to just gut it out, finish. And you were mentioning before that maybe you have somebody start out lighter, but I just, I can't iterate that enough how it will discourage you. You won't see gains if you do that. You'll only hurt yourself. You have to start out. Patience and patience and exercising, getting yourself to an ultimate goal is huge. Yeah, I think sometimes people don't give themselves enough credit and enough time to see those results and that they expect the results pretty quick. Uh, And everybody is different. You know, everybody reacts to to uh, to stress differently, you know, working out that type of stress. So you got to give yourself time. I usually tell people you, you need to give yourself a good salt 12 weeks of being consistent. Consistency is the key. Working out once or twice a week, you know, that's good. You're, you're being healthier. But if, if you're trying to focus on, you know, making some serious results and changes and transformations, you got to be consistent and minimum three, if not five days a week or even more. Uh, you just have to be strategic on what you're doing those days so you're not overtraining one specific muscle group or whatnot. But but you're right. The first step is the hardest step. That's I tell people that like like when people call me or contact me, I was like, that's the, right there is the hardest thing that you've probably done because it's probably taken you weeks or months. I know some people it's taken years to contact me because they like I just I didn't think I had it in me or or I wanted to get fit myself. I want to start doing stuff myself before I contact you. It's like, well, that's, um, that doesn't make sense. I mean, that's what I'm here for. So yeah, I work with people and, you know, all trainers across the nation work with very fit people and work with people that are just starting out. And it's great because then you can see their progression, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and watch them progress. But, uh, on something that's new with train to hunt that we're going to be releasing very, very soon is, um, a members page. So it's, it's $10 a month. And with that, with that $10 a month, you get 52 weeks of workouts. Whoa. And so it will be a, a website that you can click on different workouts. 
every week you can have a, a program. If, if you're a beast and you want hard workouts, you can click on that. If, if you're more of a beginner, there'll be a plan for beginners. We even have a, a program. It's called uh, No Shape to Mountain Shape. So basically, uh, you're on the couch, you're doing nothing, and you want to get fit for the mountain. It's a 16-week program. You can click on that, and you'll have, you know, every week you'll have the workouts for that. Uh, with the $10 a month, we're going to have a, a members-only Facebook page or, mm. or group where we will have people can interact with other members. Uh, Kenton and I will be posting different physical challenges for the week. There will be trainers on there that uh, members can ask the trainers, like, hey, I'm what about this or that? Or I feel like uh, my knee's being tweaked doing a lunge. What can I do instead? So it's going to be very interactive. It's going to be for $10 a month that you, you're not going to be able to beat it. And that's hopefully going to be released in the next week or so. That's killer. Yeah, that that's sounds awesome. awesome. It will be cool. Yeah. yeah. Those things are huge. Well, uh, Brian, what do you say? We do have uh, we do have a means to get you kind of semi wireless here, so you can do a few of these things. You have got some stuff set up. You want to try that? We're yeah, gonna yeah. We, take, can, we uh, can we can get Mark uh, all packed up and suited up, and you know what? I, we just only have the one wireless mic. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we'll uh, coming yeah. off a nasty knee injury. You know, it's like the yeah. recovery phase. You know, actually, I did want to talk about that. Not that I have a nasty yeah. knee injury. That's a pretty common thing. You know, particularly as, you know, somebody might get a little bit older. Yeah. Um, and I, let's jump into these exercises, but I want to circle back to that if there's some things that yeah, people can do to prevent that. You bet. Or I think get a lot through of it, it or overcome it. Form, which Brian will probably go into. Bam. But, Bam. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a hard cut here, and then we'll come back with Brian all set up to do this wireless thing. Welcome back, everybody. We've got Brian set up on this wireless setup. I think we've maybe pioneered podcasting where we actually shot on a podcast before. We were zeroing in some rifles. Now we're going to be shooting bows and actually watching Brian train and do some exercises here. Functional fitness. This should be pretty cool. So, But if we have any little hiccups, this is kind of a pioneering three different things for us. So just bear with us. But Brian's going to get into a few different uh, workouts that he's done and that he uses for these archery challenges. Which is pretty sweet. So, Brian, if you want to go into some of the equipment that you have set up you and uh, what we're going to be doing. You bet. Well, first of all, just a good old wooden box. Uh, this is a 20-inch box. Uh, if you don't have a box, pretty much everybody has a cooler. You know, all hunters have a good quality cooler. There you go. Uh, we utilize coolers sometimes outside when we don't have the option to use a box. So that uh, is a good option if you don't, like I said, if you don't have a box. Next thing is, is sandbags. Uh, what we have here is a, is a brute force athlete sandbag. What's really functional about this is that it comes with two liners inside. So you can have two different weights that you can take in and out. You can have a bag that's really heavy, that's 75 pounds, or you can have one that's maybe 30 or, or one that's 50. So if, depending on what exercise you're doing, you can switch out the weight pretty quick hmm. uh, just by unzipping it and taking it in and out. It has a lot of good handles, so you can do a lot of different exercises uh, than if you just had a regular C-line uh, sandbag, which is inside the pack here. So these are good. We utilize these for the outdoor challenges. We utilize the brute force for the indoor archery challenge. The outdoor one, again, is just a, a C-line Baja dry bag. It's a heavy-duty dry bag that you can actually, you know, throw on the ground and, and kind of abuse it, and it's not going to you know, it's going to take a long time before you bust the seams out of that thing. So a good quality dry bag is good for just a dead weight in your pack, as well as doing some of the exercises and challenges that we're going to be showing you with the brute force bags. And again, like we said before, having a good quality pack, what we have here is an XO pack. 
Uh, it's got good load lifters, so it gets the weight up off of those shoulders so you're not fatiguing out your traps when you're on a long hunt. has a good waist belt, so you can really cinch it down. But before I, well, the other thing too is to train with your boots on. You know, I don't mm-hmm. advise to do that all the time, but I think every once in a while to do some of these exercises with your boots on so you can see how your feet, your ankles move, see what kind of stability you have. Uh, so again, having a good quality boot, having something that feels good for you, because I think uh, these two, a pack and a boot, those are the first things or the things that will probably ruin your hunt and uh, as we know we spend a lot of money on these hunts a lot of time away from family we're sacrificing a lot of stuff when we go Uh, so we want to make sure that these two things are things that were are going to fit us good so if you go out on a hunt and it's the very first time you've ever worn your boots you're you're in for some trouble right chances are Exactly. Well, I think you're breaking your boots in as much as you're breaking your feet in a little bit, too. When, you, when you're training this way, yeah. yeah. Yeah, boots and socks. You know, we should even maybe just mention socks. Try out different thicknesses of socks, different materials, that type of stuff, so you kind of know how your feet rub and feel inside of the boot as yeah. you're doing different stuff. Yeah, some so. can be super slippery, and then all of a sudden you feel like you might roll an ankle just, just because of your socks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with the uh, let's maybe do some demonstrations here with the brute force bag. Yeah. Uh, again, with the with the different handles. I mean, you can pick this up, different variations of it. Uh, one of the the exercises that we're going to be doing for the train to hunt indoor archer challenge is a monkey dump. Okay. Don't ask me where the, that term comes from, but we call them monkey. You might find out for those watching on YouTube. Does it have a very uh, monkey dump look to it? So basically, you're on the ground, you're squatting down, right? Mm -hmm. And you're coming right up to the chest, okay? Squatting down, up to the chest. So you do those as quick as you can. We're going to be doing 10 to 15 reps of those to get that heart rate up. And then after we do those, we'll be grabbing the bow and shooting a target. So you're acquiring that target with an elevated heart rate. Uh, You know, you got the sweat dripping, all that kind of good stuff that's simulating you being out in the woods. So now that's definitely an exercise that I could see right off the bat. Now it's it's certainly for hunters and and everything, and it's it's a functional fitness exercise. But it's one that I could see somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing right off the bat potentially could injure themselves doing that one. Am I right? Yes. So when you're doing that, I'll get a side view here, is that you want to squat down. We're not doing a a hinge or a bent over deadlift per se. We want to squat down to activate the quads, the glutes, the hammies, even the core. And then we're squatting and we're picking that baby straight up. And I say the rules for the indoor archer challenge, as long as it's above the waist, we don't have to get super high on that. Okay. So we're training the traps, the shoulders. Again, all those muscles that carry in a bag for seven days, you're going to be working and activating those. So. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're doing that squat, one thing I've seen a ton of people do at the gym is, you know, they start squatting and as they get tired, they start leaning over more and their back starts getting a little more bend into it. And another thing that'll happen is, Mark, you brought up, that in the past your knees have gotten really sore and things like that. One thing I've seen a lot of people do is they start letting their knees go over their toes. And as soon as you do that, the power doesn't come from your glutes and your rear hamstrings anymore. It starts coming from basically just these isolated muscles that are right around, I don't even know what they're called, but they're right around your knee. And they start pulling pretty hard Mm -hmm. on all that tissue in your knees. And that gets pretty nasty. So you, you did bring up a good point, and I'm going to contradict you a little bit. Oh, really? You think? Uh, so I think some of that training is good because it's always been you want to keep your knees behind your toes, and which for the most part you want to do that, especially if you have any type of knee issue. But every time you climb upstairs, your knee is going past your toe. That is true. It's a functional movement. So 
Yes, if you have a heavy load on, you want to be safe because you're putting undue stress on that knee. But for a lot of the functional stuff, your knee is actually going past your toe. So sometimes it is okay to do that. But like on squats, just regular squats, this is not, I would not say this is good. You mm-hmm. want to keep it back like you mentioned. But we also need to be aware that when you step up on a box, usually you're moving forward or if you're climbing up a mountain, you're moving forward, so your knee is going past a little bit. So it's okay, but in some situations, it's not going to be, especially if you have a heavy weight on your pack. That's fair. That's a good point, yeah. Let's see. Another good exercise is I call them hay balers. If you had a high enough box, you can do them standing or you can do them kneeling, and I'll show you here on the knees is because when you're hunting – if you've never been in the backcountry, you don't realize there's not, you don't have a couch, right? You don't have a lot of chairs to sit on. So you're on your knees a lot. You're sitting on your butt a lot, getting the, preparing your food every morning or evening. You're getting stuff out of your packs. So you're actually down here on your knees a lot. You're moving stuff. If you get an animal on the ground, you know, you're cutting it up on the knees. You're picking up weights. So this is a good exercise. And basically it's just, again, you're coming up, moving on the box, and back down. So here we're getting a little twisting action as well. So you're you're generating that power from the hips, right? So it's protecting these as long as you're not on a hard cement floor. And then you're coming up, you're rotating that torso, working that core, just like a lot of the stuff that you do in the backcountry. So mm-hmm. again, you can do this on knees or standing, or I recommend doing them both ways because it works a little different. Yeah, uh, yeah, and just, again, for those listening, basically it's just kneeling to either side of this box. You said this, so the box is 20 inches. That's this referring to the height. Inches, yeah. And so, yeah, you're kneeling down. You kind of you kind of started back almost almost uh, yeah, back if, on your heels a little bit with your toes. Exactly, you're you know, sitting back. Down. And, and then, you can even then do them also just straight on. Okay. So you're generating that power, again, from the hips and up. Lifting that bag and working up. that core, you bet. Straight on the uh, box. And these sandbags, people love to hate them right? Because it's just dead weight. I mean, when you pick it up, it's not solid like a nice dumbbell or barbell. It's very functional, especially for what uh, we're using it for. And as you can tell, I am getting out of breath from getting up and down. So, <laughs> so that may not be a good sign, huh? But I mean, if you grab it in the middle, it's going to flop over, okay? Just like, I don't know, uh, 60 pounds of meat in a, in a, yep. in a meat bag is flopping over. You, know, you got to throw it up on the shoulder, do all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. That right there is another exercise that I like to do is just basically squatting down, picking it up, and bringing it back down, okay? Do that to both shoulders. Any type of movement where you're bending the hips, hinging at the hips, picking weight up, just like when, in a little bit when we put the pack on, you're going to notice picking that pack up, right? It'd be horrible if you get in the backcountry and you get a 50-pound pack and you injure yourself, your shoulder or something, picking the pack up. So you got to strengthen those muscles, that soft tissue, ligaments, tendons, all that Mm -hmm. good stuff. Well, you can tell with those bags, too, one thing, you know, just watching you there is in a good way, you're, when you're lifting it, you're constantly fighting it. You know, it's, like you said, it's not like maybe a standard dumbbell where it's just this static, you know, It's not as predictable. Mm -hmm. It's not predictable, you know, and and you're kind of end up, at least it appears to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but while you're doing those movements, there's just a lot of stabilization going on there and kind of going even back to what we were talking about, about uh, hiking or walking over uneven terrain. There's just those little things that you have to fight all the time that's just like if you're walking on a path or a treadmill, you just you don't have those things when you have something like that. Mm -hmm. Right, and you have to think, keep in mind what we're training for. We're training for outside and uneven terrain. So if you're always in the gym where it's perfectly flat, you're not doing yourself 
any good because you might be on a side of a mountain and one foot might be up a lot higher than another and you might be picking something up or putting your pack back on. So it's the thing. I like to train people when the weather's nice, get people outside as much as possible Mm -hmm. and getting them on uneven terrain, even though it's going to be uncomfortable. But that's what I say. You got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Okay. It's not only being about physically fit, but also mentally fit and training yourself in those situations so that mentally you're tough to prepare and to be ready for those in the backcountry. So another good uh, one that I kind of came up with is just basically a log toss. And basically just, again, a lot of squatting motions and all these activities, squatting down, picking it up, throwing it over, step over the box. Okay. Oh, okay. Back down, throw it back over the box. Okay. So similar in some ways to that uh, that first one that you were doing where you're on your knees and then putting the, the sandbag on top of the box, but now you're actually started on your feet and you almost did, yeah, like a squat. You lifted the bag up, turned to the side, threw it over that box there, over to the other side, and then you climb over the box, which I can only imagine is just why would you walk around the box when you can simulate going up, you know, over a tree that's exactly. fallen down or something like that or a big giant rock and getting it, up it, and over to get to something? Any of you have hunted in Colorado, there's blowdowns like everywhere. So it's constantly stepping up and over blowdowns. For short guys like me, I mean, it's a number of times. I mean, you can even take this box and sit down on it with a weight with your pack and practice going up and over. I did that a lot with 100 pounds on my back. Yeah. So that's, you know, in a gym, you might feel stupid doing it because everybody else is just lifting the the barbells and the dumbbells and stuff like that. But this type of stuff is the stuff you got to be doing. Let me ask you this too. So, and I'm I'm coming back to the injury thing. And part of the reason I ask this is just because myself in my in my history, you know, in athletics and things like that, I've had to deal with injuries and things like that. So I've always been very conscious of this. And I think that nobody wants to get injured because it throws you out of the game, right. and uh, and does it means you can't do what you love. So, getting into the functional fitness, I I kind of understood what you're saying. Where you know, I think that when you do a lot of these exercises that people are used to at the gym a lot of it is is isolation and things like that and there's there's very specific you know like I bring up oh you don't want to have your knees go in front of your toes and that's a good general rule of thumb but like you said you can't always be in this perfect isolated flat ground world when you're out hunting and so this functional fitness is is good but what would you say is something let's say somebody walks up to a workout and they're about to do this workout for the first time they've seen somebody like you in this YouTube video if they're watching semi live they've seen you do it they kind of get a good feel for what it's going to be what's things that they can think of in their head before getting down to doing it where it's like you know I understand that this is how this should feel and if I start feeling this or doing this I I can kind of get a sense that that would be bad like are there general motions that you want to try to avoid or are there general things like that that you'd want to try to avoid just coming up to any workout yeah it's an important topic because we definitely don't want to injure ourselves preparing for a hunt it might be a hunt of a lifetime we don't want to hurt ourselves getting in shape for it so i think a proper warm-up is is critical and that could be as simple as if you don't have pieces of cardio equipment to get your uh, heart rate elevated just doing jumping jacks just standing in place doing high knees doing butt kicks doing some body weight squats arm circles especially for archers we can get a lot of shoulder injuries from the repetitiveness of the shooting so doing arm circles uh some rotations for our our rotator cuff muscles any little bit of of activities like that uh to start increasing the heart rate and also feel a little bit of a sweat 
usually I say, you know, obviously on days when we're training outside and it's zero degrees, it's hard to build up a sweat, but you should feel like you're starting to breathe a little bit, kind of like I was here when we started doing some of this stuff. You should be breathing a little bit. If it's a halfway decent temperature, you might start sweating a little bit before you really start getting into the brunt of your workout. So usually during my boot camps and my hunter fitness classes, we're spending a good five to 10 minutes of doing certain things. And like I said, it might be high knees down and back, butt kicks down and back, a little light jogging, uh, some lunges, right? Lunging is another great, uh, I guess the segue into that is to throw a pack up on the shoulder. So, and now do lunges instead of having dumbbells in your hand and being equal on both sides. This is now we're training our core to stabilize itself. This is a 45 pound sandbag. So now we're doing lunges trying to stabilize our body. So instead of just working the glutes and the legs, we're working the core a lot too. And again, the traps and the shoulders for carrying a, a heavy bag. Mm. So you bring up the uh, the core, which is, is so important. You know, it's pretty much when you talk about functional fitness, it can't exist without your core. I think one of the things too, and, and I'd be curious if you'd say this in your experience that you've found that this rings true. You hear a lot of times people say, Oh, make sure your your core is engaged. And to me, I always laugh when people say that because I'm like, well, what what is that like to anybody who doesn't know what that means? They're just kind of like, well, what the heck is that? You know, how do I engage my core? You know, and I I think sometimes like that exercise you did there where the bag was over your shoulder and then you were over one shoulder and you're doing a lunge, you know, to some that would seem like, you know, having something over your shoulder and kind of going forward is going to use a lot of your back, you know, but they don't which is kind of part of your core, but they don't consider the fact that actually a lot of your, just your whole entire abdomen and area that wraps around this place between your ribs and your hips is engaged. And it's, I don't even know how to explain it when I even say engage your core. You need to use it. You can't just like, if you isolate these big giant hams on your your back above your butt, you know, then you're going to get, you're going to have all kinds of back issues and stuff. If you're an insect, it'd be your thorax. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Wow. All right, we're going there. <laughs> well, the, the best way when I'm and teaching some of my clients how to do uh, deadlifts or hinges, that's a, an exercise that can be a high-risk exercise because you're, you're basically being bent over, potentially putting a lot of stress on your back. So it, it's making sure your hips are in the right place. But then when you get ready to pick up a heavy weight, rather it be if you're in the gym or if you're hunting or whatever it is, you might be moving furniture. Before you lift that heavy weight, it's almost – the best way I've found to explain it is you're trying to go to the bathroom. You're trying to take a number two, and you have to put pressure in your abdomen to push, okay? That right there, most people know what that feels like. So you put that pressure, and you, and you tighten that core up. Because hmm. you're right. It's like how do people tighten their belly muscles? Because some, some people I work with have never really done that or have that neuromuscular control to be able to control a muscle it's like how do you flex your bicep with your arm straight right it's hard to do that if you try that it's hard to do that that's essentially what you're trying to say with your core how do you tighten that without doing a flexion in the hips or on the on the ribcage it's hard to do that so it's like an isometric contraction or as if i'm going to come up and punch you in the belly you know, you know I'm going to punch you, and you kind of flex and tighten it. That's yeah. the type of motion that what you kind of want to think about when you're trying when you're going to lift something heavy. Yeah. Now we want to make sure too that people are maintaining their breathing because I've been in some of those situations and I tend to hold my breath while I'm trying to do that, and that's yeah. that's usually not a good. Idea. You want to keep breathing. 
Yeah, you want to usually the rule of thumb. Well, number one is yes, keep breathing. <laughs> uh, number two is you want to be exhaling whenever you're exerting the most amount of force. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're if you're doing a deadlift, if you're picking a weight off the ground, you want to be exhaling as you're picking that up, inhaling as you're setting it down. But sometimes if you're doing a lot of heavy strength stuff, you are almost holding your breath a little bit because your abdomen is under such a uh, so much tension it's hard to breathe. So sometimes it is. But doing the stuff that we train for for trying to hunt. Most people, their their heartbeat is going to be beating out of their eyeballs, okay? And uh, it's it's going to be some high-intensity training, which is good for just general fitness. You know, it's good for body composition, high-intensity interval training. Dry, you know, you, you, you kind of zap that fat pretty quick, and you start burning fat. Uh, it's good for uh, building up muscle, So it's, and it's functional for what we do in the backcountry. But uh, before we kind of get off on the too many rabbit holes here, let's throw a pack on. Uh, essentially, because yeah. that's what we're talking about is backpack training. So usually most people throw the pack, you know, grab a pack and grab it by the shoulder and whip it around. And when you get a heavy weight, that's sometimes hard to do. You put a lot of undue stress on these shoulder straps. So if you can kind of practice in which, I don't know if I should do this with the headset on. I'll see if I can do it. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. But uh, if you pick it up. Start backwards jump, almost. And uh, pick Whoa. it up and go over your head like so. It's a lot easier. Okay? Wow, that was it. Right? Never would have thought of that. Tip of the day right there. So you were standing like in behind it, and you went actually like, that was like an underduck when you were a kid on the swings, but you just did right? it to your backpack. And then <laughs> Essentially, your you had the top inside. of the backpack facing you upside down. Yeah. Or it's kind of facing you, and the part that's facing your back is facing up. I think so. my kids put their coats on that way. There you go. <laughs> if you're in school and you like get up from class and you're going to go to your next class and you put your backpack on that way, I guarantee you're going to get like your crush's number yeah. and you're <laughs> train, your, train your kids to do get, that right now. You're going to get a date. Right? A I'm going to try that when I get home. Right, yeah. <laughs> People will be impressed. So with the box here, I mean, if you are a very minimalist with equipment, essentially a box or like we said before, a cooler, your pack, maybe even if you don't have a cooler, stairs, find stairs somewhere and just go up, you know, doing step-ups, basically up and down, you know, switching legs here. And then uh, step overs. This is a, a train to hunt. Uh, our first challenge exercise in the train to hunt is doing step overs, and even changing up from going forward and uh, you know over straight line. Do some side stuff. Okay. Oh yeah. Get the glutes activating a little bit more instead of just the quads. All right. Because you got to do that all the time if you're going up and down a hill. Usually you're not. Your feet aren't directly facing the hill you're usually kind of sidestepping it to keep yourself from slipping and exactly uh so step overs i mean if you had a box you can even start doing uh some push-ups for the upper body mixing in some upper body stuff um burpees i recommend you to try the burpees with a pack on this is a 50 pound sandbag so it's pretty heavy if you're going to do burpees i recommend only maybe having 20 25 pounds in your uh in your pack uh, just because it is it is a lot of, I'll do it. So you can kind of see what not to do. Because when you come down on the ground, it's going to come forward, okay? Oh, yeah. And when you get up, it's a lot of weight. As you're coming up, you're basically doing a hinge. So it can be a lot of weight. So if you're going to do burpees with a pack, make sure it's somewhat light that you're not going to injure yourself That's and uh, knock yourself out in the back there. Yeah, it seems like uh, with a little too much weight, you might give your dentist some work. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Then the big thing about training to hunt is shooting with an elevated heart rate, okay? 
Because in almost all situations, you know, out west, we might be moving. You're getting on an elk. You got to be very mobile, moving around. You get that heart rate going. You got the excitement. Here in the Midwest, you might be breathing like I am right now, watching a, a buck come in. So you have that buck fever. Okay, I'm guilty of that. You get shaking like a leaf, and you're like, oh, can I? I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pull my bow back. Mm-hmm. So shooting your bow with an elevated heart rate is a perfect way to train for that. So we do a lot of training in, the, in my hunter fitness classes and for training to hunt where we're cranking out, you know, maybe uh, four different exercises, 10 reps, and you're just going gangbusters. And then you got to grab your bow, acquire the target. You got to be able to pull it back, right? Because some of these exercises, you're already getting fatigued. So you're working on that time where maybe you're hunting here in Wisconsin and it's, you know, five below zero, and it's hard to pull that bow back. So you, you kind of get the hang of that so that, again, you're, you're training for those situations that you're going to be hunting in. So how do you maintain good shooting habits when you're doing that stuff? Because your heart gets going, you, you know, I, I feel like the first thing that would go to crap would be your form. How do you combat that? Uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's almost, I've run into sometimes with people with target panic. You know, you have that target panic issue where you, you know, even before you acquire the target, you're you're sending that arrow right. off. Sometimes this type of training, like, cures that because your heart rate's going so far, so so fast. You're focused on all this other stuff, and you just draw back, acquire the target, and shoot. Huh. But that's where you got to spend time shooting your bow, practicing uh, good mechanics, so that when it comes to this type of stuff, just like hunting, if you don't practice proper mechanics, and you go shoot your bow at a at a big animal or whatever it might be, you know, your mechanics, are, it's all going to go out the window. So that's why this type of training is good because it kind of simulates that. I think it's a lot, a lot of this stuff too reminds me of the three gun crowd, you know, sure. and a lot of times people will say they'll bash three guns to be like, Oh, that stuff gets you killed in the streets, you know, cause you're just, you guys are just in colorful jerseys running around a course. It's all pre laid out and shooting guns fast. And it's a bunch of stuff that isn't nobody's shooting back at you. But then, you know, you kind of think to yourself, well, you know, okay, on my average weekend, I don't like to get myself in situations where people are shooting back at me if I don't have to, <laughs> right. you know. And no, then suit what's, yourself, Jim. Yeah, what, what's wrong with being in a, in a situation where your heart is, rate is elevated and you're trying to be accurate, you know, in a lot of right. ways that can force you to really need to practice those fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right, stuff like yeah. That. And I guess to kind of touch on that, uh, as far as the fundamentals, when I do the class, people always ask, can I have my arrow knocked and have it sitting there ready? And I always say no, because mm-hmm. I want you, again, just like that simulating uh, hunting mm-hmm. scenario, you might be chasing after an elk, and then you have to quick grab your knock an arrow or grab it out of your quiver, knock it, all that while you're kind of fumbling around, you know, it might be low light. It might be your heart rate's going. So practicing all of that while training yeah. is key. Because that's half, yeah. half of that is mental. Going through that mental right. checklist of unknocking the arrow or, you know, taking it out of your quiver, knocking on, getting your release up. That's all mental right there. Right. Well, oh, those, yeah. those fine motor skills under pressure, you know, I mean, I think we've all been there. You know, you can hook your release on a hundred mm-hmm. times at home, and all of a sudden you got to get it on when a yeah. buck's coming or a bull's coming in. I've you, seen guys miss their D-loop when, they're, when they have a buck coming in because they just, you know, they're looking over it, and they, they, they can't fall back on those motor skills. Yeah. Would you say then, too, so now that you have your pack on, that I can I can only imagine, and I hope we see you uh, shoot here on the podcast. We can say <laughs> you shot a gun in the air on the podcast. But then, as you're wearing this pack with weight in it, that's got to change from when you're just 
you know, out there, no, just in a short sleeve shirt, just kind of shooting. That that changes a fair amount, right? Right. I mean, just it restricts you. I mean, because you can see I'm already kind of bending over a little bit just to counter, counterbalance that weight. I mean, practicing with the pack on. Obviously, if you're sitting in a tree stand, you're probably not going to have a pack on. But if you're hiking out in the mountains, you're more than likely going to have a pack on. So you want to practice with the pack, you know, have it strapped up, how you're probably going to have it strapped up. And again, it's just good to practice. So you, run, if you run into something where, oh, you know, something is catching or, um, you know, if my bag is hitting something, you, you find that out before you're in that moment yep. point. where it really matters. So what I can do, I, I'll go over the step overs. Maybe I'll do 10 step overs. And usually in train to hunt and the outdoor challenges, we'll do 10 step overs and then you'll take off. We won't have the pack on. We'll actually be using just sandbags, but for today we'll have the pack. So you'll do the 10 step overs. You'll take off like on a, a hundred mile out and or hundred mile. Whoa. Wouldn't that be something, huh? <laughs> I just got eliminated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> right. A, a hundred yards out and back. And then that's when you grab your bow at your station and shoot the target. Oh, nice. And then you come back to the box and you do the next challenge. So uh, you're probably going to hear me huffing and puffing, but at least I'll go through this one so you can kind of see what it's what it's like. It'll be realistic. So it'll be, you know, myself or Kenton will be here standing. It'll be uh, six to ten of you side-by-side uh, side in each heat. And we'll go three, two, one, go, and it's off to the races. And basically it's just up and over. So up and over is is one, so that's two. The rule is that both feet have to hit the box for safety reasons, and both feet have to touch the ground. Okay, it's up to you if you want to face it or if you want to go side to side. It really does not matter if, as long as both feet are touching uh, the box and the ground. Even if you want to jump up and down on it, you can, but that would be a uh, that would be impressive. If I would you not could advise do that, that over and over. Are you guys caught repeatedly? in reps? Uh, I think a, I think that's that's probably enough. That was two. that'll do. So then you have your bow sitting there, you grab it, knock an arrow, and again at this time you're breathing hard, especially if this is the third or fourth challenge, and uh, you acquire your target, pull it back, and shoot. Guys, nice. I hit it. Even though I couldn't see through my peep because of the, uh, the oh yeah, the little headset but, uh, there. I'm glad I hit it. Impressive instincts. <laughs> so that's it. It's a it's a great event. It's a fun event. It challenges you, and uh, it gets you ready for the for that's the season. Awesome. We're gonna have one here actually, right? An indoor challenge mm -hmm. in not too long. And uh, so that's actually going to happen at the Vortex Indoor Range. How's that one going to get set up? Are we going to use both the 100 and the 50 or just the 50 or are they just the 100? So or? as of now, uh, we're going to be doing the challenge actually right here. Right here, okay. I think the 50, we might have it open uh, for people to warm up to fling some arrows over there. The issue with that is the ceiling height. We just didn't have enough height there for oh, people a to lower, right? step up on a box. Uh, so we're going to be utilizing this range right here for the Vortex, uh, for the Indoor Archery Challenge. So we'll have probably six boxes, six stations set up alongside here, six targets down there. I don't know, maybe we should whip some 100-yard shots. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yep. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that. 100%. Yep. So the, uh, the Indoor Archery Challenge is kind of developed. Uh, I went to Kenton this past fall, and I said, hey, I have this idea. I don't want to step on your toes uh, because... I love what you're doing. I love trying to hunt, and I want to create this indoor archery challenge because here in Wisconsin, in the, in the winter, people just aren't all that motivated to, to, to stay active. 
Uh, and But there, there's people that want these types of events. So I said, hey, I'm thinking about this indoor archer challenge, and I, and I went over the details. He's like, dude, you got to be a part of trying to hunt. Let's work together. Let's team together and come up with these events. So the first event is January 26th uh, up at Lacrosse Archery uh, in Lacrosse. The second one will be here on February 23rd, and the third one will be at uh, Papa's Trading Post in Arena. So nice. looking forward to those three. The registration's open uh, on www.traintohunt.com, <laughs> right? Um, as well as the registration is open for all of our outdoor events. And uh, the Wisconsin one will be just down the road at Tyrell Basin. Uh, so we're going to utilize oh, cool. the ski hill there. And that's just going to be an epic event. I'm super excited yeah. about that. Uh, the Wisconsin qualifier has been the biggest qualifier uh, the last two years. Uh, and this venue is going to allow us to grow. It's going to allow us to use a lot of topography uh, for the mountain course. Uh, to kind of give you a little bit of a rundown on the outdoor challenges we have, it starts out as our challenge course where we have the box and you're doing four different challenges, shooting your bow, okay? And then you throw on your pack and it's a mile to two mile course that you're running or traversing as fast as you can. And there's two more targets out on that course that you would shoot then. And then on Sunday, it's a two-day event. Sunday is the 3D portion of it. So That's awesome. Nice. Now, Brian, what do you say to the person that says, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I love shooting my bow. I want to get in better shape. But I don't feel like I'm there yet. And, you know, I'm a little bit intimidated to show up to one of those events. Yeah. Boy, I say just get your butt out there and do it. Because the train-to-hunt community, the train-to-hunt family welcomes everybody with open arms. It's, it truly is. Uh, I've done a lot of different competitions in my in my past, and the train to hunt, everybody's there to cheer each other on because we're all going through the suck fest together. We all realize that our our ultimate goal is to be ready for the hunting season. With that, it's still a competition. You know, you still it, it's more of a competition against yourself to see if you're physically capable, mentally capable to put yourself through those situations. But we have a lot of people that have never done train to hunt do it every year and they love it and they wish they would have done it, you know, before. And a lot of people sign back up year after year because for one, they meet a lot of cool people, a lot of like-minded people. And uh, two, they, they want to see how they can improve year after year and it motivates them to train all season long or all year long. And then they're fit for, for the backcountry. That's so. awesome. Now, can a person just come out and watch one of these events? You bet. Uh, we try to make it a spectator-friendly, especially the Saturday portion of the competition. Uh, at Tyro Basin uh, here in Wisconsin, it's going to be very spectator-friendly because this is how it's set up. You can watch the challenge course, a lot of the mountain course. Uh, as they're uh, traversing the ski hill, you're going to be able to see a lot of that. Uh, Saturday night, we're probably going to have some type of a dinner, uh, maybe even a film festival. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on that that uh, will be, it's family friendly. There's a lot of kids that do it. We have a nice. youth uh, portion where we get little tykes doing it where they are stepping up over the box and they have <laughs> a light cool. sandbag. So the youth love to do it and they do an awesome job. I'm I sure mean, their parents love it too. Anything yeah. that can wear them out, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So. Do you want to do it again? Yeah. You get extra points if you do it twice. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. No, it's, it's great. And I hope to see all three of you out there. I've been having a blast spectating right now. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, spectating sounds spectating awesome. Spectating is, I'm totally good with spectating, that. Spectating, spectating, can't say enough about that. Spectating. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Challenge when, 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 I, when I asked that question, I was asking yeah. for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It was rhetorical. But uh, what, do you, but, what do you say? But I, I guess I'll interrupt you here. Is oh, that, yeah. I don't want to be on that bandwagon where you have to be fit to do yeah. to go out west hunting. You don't have to have to be. Like I know a lot of people. I have a lot of buddies that go out west that do very minimal training. Can you do it? Yes, you can. Do they enjoy it to the to the potential that they could? I don't think so because they might be hiking a lot one day and the next day yeah. they might be sitting at camp a lot or they might be taking long naps. So yeah, definitely you don't have to be tip-top shape to go out west, but I think it does help you. And if you're spending a lot of money to invest in equipment, the time away from family and work, taking care of yourself is one of the, should be one of the easiest things that we can do. So I just think that that's, it's a no-brainer to do yeah. that. But I definitely don't want to be that person that says, oh, you got to, you know, you got to be able to run 10 miles right. to go out mountain hunting. Well, from an enjoyment like perspective alone, like you put all this forethought into the hunt, you're getting excited about it. The last thing you want to do is show up, get out there, and now you're having a miserable time. When if you just would have done some stuff on the front end, and you don't need to be the most, you don't need to be a Hulk, but if right. you can just do some stuff on the front end, that's going to help you enjoy your time out there. I think that goes a long way. So. So, and the same thing with a train to hunt challenge is that, yeah, you want to be fit. You want to do the best that you can, but you don't have to go into it being in the tip top shape mm-hmm. either. I mean, it's obviously some of the, the top guys and gals that are, are, are winning these events do are, you know, they are specifically training for these events, but just go out there and try it out and, and participate. And what it does is it helps you to see maybe where your weaknesses are, for the upcoming trip this fall. You know, if if you have a hard time climbing 300 vertical feet at uh, Tyrell Basin, man, you better start, you know, whipping yourself into shape if you're planning to go out to Colorado, yep. right? So, yeah. What do you say, uh, will uh, anybody, if anybody has any extra last calls, that was almost a super good last call in mm-hmm. of itself. We'll wrap this one, and then hopefully other p- people listening here, if you watched on YouTube and saw some of these exercises, will get training, get ready for next fall, and potentially head out to some of these trained hunts. But what do you guys think? Any Anything else you had? You know, I was just going to break down some stereotypes, Jim. You know, you can't send you, it. You know, you can't get me without at least making one last call. At least making seventeen two or yeah, seven, yeah, <laughs> ten, ten, ten of them. But you know, we talked a lot about going out west, like training to go out west, and I think you know one thing that gets overlooked is really how physical a Midwest-type whitetail hunt can be, uh, particularly if the guy's running like a run-and-gun type setup. No you doubt. Got your, you got your climber on your back. Right. You got yep. your gear for the day on your back. You could be potentially going in miles. You could be crossing a swamp and mm-hmm. a marsh where it's super mucky where a guy might uh, lose both of his boots, Eric. Do you have any experience with that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, it's a good point. Like, like my whitetail hunting setup, my pack is, I think, 38 pounds. I mean, to people that think that whitetail hunting is a cakewalk, you're flat out wrong. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm curious. And then you go into some of these spots, and you might have to still get a buck out, right? That's going to be several hundred pounds. Could be multiple loads crossing that same terrain. You know, in our part of Wisconsin, you touched on that a little bit earlier, Brian, but some pretty hilly terrain, Mm -hmm. some pretty good bluff country. They're not... You know they're not peaks, right? You're not. It's not Pikes Peak in Colorado, but you know they'll kick your butt. And uh, and so I think it's just I don't want to, I guess, alienate folks to say, well, you know what? I'm not going elk hunting this mm-hmm. year, this year. This this isn't for me. No, um, no. There's just a lot of stuff going well, on. I'm glad you brought this up because I do both public land hunting, run and gun type, uh, and then I also have private land. Yeah, yeah. And even on that private land, you're setting up stands. You know, mm-hmm. in the summer months when it's very hot. 
And the, you know, usually the stands that you have are pretty heavy. They're not like a lightweight run and gun setup. You know, they might be 20, 30, 40 pounds for some of these tree stands that you're climbing up. Uh, hopefully you have, you know, a, a safety system, a, a lineman's belt or something, but still that's a lot of upper body strength that you need to hang these stands, to hold them in yep. place, get the straps in place. Yeah. And I know a lot of guys has, just are not able to do that anymore. So they resort to blinds and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's another example of staying fit, staying strong, helps you to, you know, stay in the white toe woods even longer, mm-hmm. even sitting all day. You know, can you, do you have that physical stamina, that mental strength to sit in a tree stand all day long? Oh, that long, can be hard. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think a lot of people out west don't realize the the difficulty of that. You know, for me, now that I'm a western hunter, I can't stand sitting still for yeah. longer than 30 <laughs> minutes. But, so it's a, it's a head game. You really yeah. got to... What do you have to say, like, as far as, like, the time commitment? Like, what do you think someone needs, if they're going to, you know, let's say someone wants to devote three days a week to this, and they're just getting started. You know, people have busy lives nowadays. Everyone's, you know, working and got has a million things going on. How much time do you think you really need to realistically devote? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I hope he's hitting what he's what yeah. he's shooting at. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded Crazy. a little bigger than the last one. <laughs> um. I would say, you know, minimal, if if you could, again, consistency is, is the key. So if you have kids mm-hmm. and if they're training for something or practicing a musical instrument, you know, is doing it two or three days a week for an hour, is that better than doing it maybe four to six days a week for maybe 20 to 30 minutes? Because you can get a good workout in in 20 to 30 yeah. minutes as long as you're on top of it and, and using some of these tools. Uh, to get that heart rate going. So I say you're better off shortening that duration up, okay, and doing it more often Hmm. and being more consistent with it because then you're also creating those habits. You're creating that habit of working out every day or six days out of the week instead of three days of the week, and then you might be like, oh, you know what? Something came up. I'm going to have to miss that workout. Right. Or, or, so if, if you have it set every day but a shorter amount of time, mm-hmm. and then as, it, as you get more serious and are more committed to training, and then up that time, but then maybe back off a day. I mean, there's a lot of different yeah. ways to get from A to Z. Yeah. That's just just one one way. I'm mm. more of an advocate of doing something more days of the week, but maybe a lesser amount of time so that you create those habits. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Good well, I think that's a good place to uh, to end it, and this whole building might fall down yeah. because that sounds like a nasty muzzle break. I think that's a BB gun. Oh, <laughs> you know? good point. Good point. I tell you what, you put a, a nasty enough muzzle break on a BB gun, and that air has got to go somewhere. <laughs> So, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Thanks again, Brian, for joining us. This is super cool. Like, uh, like we were talking about, this was kind of semi-live. If you do get the chance to watch this on YouTube, you'll get some serious uh, visual representations of some of the exercises Brian was talking about. So check, check this one out for sure. And uh, as well, uh, on our YouTube channel, on the Train to Hunt YouTube channel, we have a lot of exercises on there too. Uh, and again, once the members uh, page comes up, there's going to be a ton of stuff on there. So you can follow us at Train to Hunt. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can follow me at Get Fit with Brian on Instagram and Facebook. So whatever your, your pick there is. So. Many ways to find it. Well, awesome. Thanks again, everybody. Happy hunting and shooting out there. And uh, as usual, we'll end it on the classic. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. 
Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show. Maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like. So that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released. So that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.